Welcome back to Meet Me in the Middle. This is your host, Neely. I have been so encouraged by the number of people following through the episodes. I just want to really say a big thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, comment. I'm actually on Twitter and Facebook and Reddit and Instagram as well. I'm not very active on social media at the moment, but I'm more focused on doing these episodes. But I am there. So, uh, and you can find all those links on my website, which is findunityinthemiddle.com. So this is a podcast really for all of us. And what I mean by that is I too am learning more about these subjects. So we are learning all this together. Um, We are all so busy and have so many distractions. And of course, so many choices out there to what we can choose to listen to. And so knowing all of that, I truly appreciate you guys being here, meaning all of you. Thank you so much. I'm putting out these podcasts as quickly as I can to get us to a point of understanding our foundations. However, the more I dig, the more topics come up. So that's also good. And there are many facts we all don't know, or we may have learned and forgotten, or whatever the case may be. So I do hope that I'm making this easy to grasp our founding principles in order to highlight some of the issues we have created ourselves over time. This episode, we will be discussing the history of religions in America. My intention, as always, is to focus on the facts. While trying, and when I say trying, I am trying to ensure my own biases are left out of the conversation. The only time opinions will be discussed on this podcast is in a room with opposing views so we can ensure that we're having a discussion not to impose my opinions on any category or any section of this podcast. So, but it's not always easy. So I hope I'm actually really staying true to being in the middle. So this episode will be very fact-based with links on the website as all the episodes are fact-based. But with a, with a topic like religion, I just want to preface it with I'm asking everybody to park your beliefs, not abandon them, just park them for a moment to understand what the founding and the makeup of religions are or in America. And none of this is ever meant to shame. It's meant to enlighten so we grow. 
So I will preface it with that because the topic of politics and religion can be quite tricky. So the links are all on my website. So you can follow along and click on some of these links of the things that I'm talking about. Religion really has two meanings. So there's organized religion and there's spirituality. So these two things are what I mean when I say religion in this episode. Belief is a really personal and really important aspect of a person's life. And some are more dedicated to the daily practices of their religions, and some are passively participating. Some do not participate but still have faith. Others do not have any affiliation to any one religion, and some do not believe in any deity of any kind. This binds us here in America because here we are equal under the law as citizens. The founders had varying beliefs and knew and saw the dangers of dividing into religious sects, just as we spoke about the founders were concerned about the dividing, dividing us into political sects or groups. This is why the founders separated church from state. They came from Europe and saw the persecution firsthand. They saw the Salem witch trials and how law and religion could harm societies and their pursuit of happiness and freedom. The intent, however, was not to leave God or creator out, but to allow us to pursue our spiritual journeys without persecution. That freedom comes with a responsibility to avoid imposing laws with the passion of religious beliefs as to not oppress others as we are a society of people with many diverse backgrounds as we spoke about many beliefs from all over the world and many traditions and practices. Some people truly believe this country was founded on Christian principles. That is a myth. However, that doesn't mean the people of America did not come here without belief. Some of those beliefs were used and distorted to justify some of the most heinous heinous acts in history all over the world. I ask you to go into this episode with an open mind and consider some of the countries, governances, and governing practices are founded by deep religious practices that have been backed by laws that persecute their citizens still today. America is not one of them. America was always an experiment from the beginning. And that experiment has led to America being 
one of the youngest nations and one of the most powerful forces around in the world over a very short period of time. Our freedoms and diversity and beauty is why so many fight to have a place in our society. I spoke about religion in our founding story series throughout the different sections. And in this episode, we're going to go a bit deeper into the roots of why people believe that America was founded based on Christian values. We're going to talk about the religious beliefs and how they intertwine in our society without breaking the rules of the Constitution of separation of church and state. How they drive politics today as well. Our laws are not allowed to discriminate against us based on religion. Period. Politics is a free-flowing aspect of our lives and has been weaved into every aspect of governing into America. Politics has been absolutely influenced by religion and is organically dividing us as these religious movements have many voters impassioned by religious principles. And people naturally seek political leaders who hold those principles up high as to belong to such a group. So politics and religions are the two most dividing factors of our adult lives. Most religions, I would say all religions, um, are based on the principles of having high strong moral values. And so what's the problem with that? Nothing. But does that mean having a strong moral compass only come with those with faith of religious beliefs? No, they do not. So assuming someone without religious beliefs has no moral values is a true misconception. And truly, people believe that. We have to stop judging others and painting others as immoral based on a belief system that is personal. Religious beliefs are just that, they're beliefs. I remember in school, because I grew up in the 70s, when we all had to participate in Christmas plays and sing the Christmas songs in school. I had friends who didn't believe in Christmas and did not have Christmas trees. So let's talk about why those practices in school were eliminated and how that makes people feel. All children had to participate in the Christmas show unless the parents pulled them from it. But how did that affect that child? It isolated them. That isolation felt strange and sad 
to the child. So what happened to Christmas, some might ask? Nothing happened. The schools followed the principles of our founders' wishes of separation of church and state. And they weren't just wishes. They were laws. They are laws. Federal funding and state funding are the sources that ensure a public school system for the purposes of education removed the practices of division that should have never taken hold. So it's not something lost. As per the founders, they felt that interweaving religion into state would lead to a broken union. So I know that it feels to those who had Christmas plays and watched them turn into holiday plays feel like they lost something. But it's not the case. It just feels that way. Religion is personal. The freedoms to practice any religion is totally protected. The holiday play ensures no one is left out. These are children. Inclusive, not divisive. No one really lost anything, but everybody gained. So let's talk about the myth of Christian values being the founding principle of America. And again, I'm not saying myth to hurt anybody. I'm just trying to point out that the founding principles of America belong to everyone. And that is part of what I'm trying to build is that understanding. So I'm hoping that I don't offend anyone with such language. Many believe that America was founded on Christian principles because we see in God we trust on our money. Or that in God we trust is in the Pledge of Allegiance or in the Star Spangled Banner and that being our national anthem. This backs up the idea that America was founded on Christian principles, and it wasn't. So let's actually start with our money. At the second Congress in the first session in 1792, Congress passed its first law regarding national coinage. There is a lot of statutes <clears throat> around the creation and establishment of the U.S. Mint. The denominations of the coins in gold, silver, and copper, along with the symbolism that should appear on each coin. So in page 248, section 10 of the statutes of 1792 of the Second Congress, first session, the following is stated, and I quote, 
from the statue. That upon the said coins, respectively, there shall be the following devices and legends, namely upon one side of each of the said coins. There shall be an impression emblematic of liberty with an inscription of the word liberty. And the year of the coinage and upon the reverse of each of the gold and silver coins, there shall be the figure or representation of an eagle with the inscription United States of America. Upon the reverse of each of the copper coins, there shall be an inscription which shall express the denomination of the piece, namely cent or half cent as the case may require. That was it in 1792. No mention of any other inscription or symbols. Liberty was the message and the motto of America. In 1837, the Mint Act of Congress prescribed that mottos and devices should be placed upon the coins of the United States, meaning that the Mint could not make changes without the enactment of additional legislation. In, nine, in 1861, the Secretary of the Treasury received numerous appeals from devout people of faith throughout the country, urging that the United States recognize deity on U.S. coins. During the onset of the Civil War in 1863, the director of the Mint submitted to the Secretary of the Treasury new designs, which was submitted to Congress including In God We Trust. In 1864, Congress passed the change along with the new two-cent coin, making its first debut with In God We Trust inscribed 72 years after the establishment of the mint and the coinage. In 1865, Congress passed the approval to place In God We Trust on all gold and silver coins between 1865 and 1907. The motto was added to all coins. As many denominations started to come and some of the denominations dropped In God We Trust and then they were put back on. Um, but in 1908, Congress passed an act which made the inscription in God we trust mandatory for all coins that previously included it as it fell off and on during this period. Paper money was introduced in 1861 and did not have the motto on its money. It wasn't until 1957, so 1950. Seven. Uh, when In God We Trust appeared 
on our paper money, and in 1954, on post stamps. In 1955, by joint resolution of the 84th Congress, and signed by Dwight Eisenhower, that all paper money include the motto, In God We Trust. Two years later, in 1957, all money printed included this motto. In 1956, the year prior, Congress passed and Eisenhower signed into law claiming in God we trust as our official motto. Hence, why it appeared in our money going forward. Part of the reason for this was to distinguish ourselves during the Cold War, mainly to claim that America was protected by a deity and our enemies were not. In 1962, the motto was inscribed on the wall of the House chamber to publicly display our motto, and it remains today. Many states adopted the motto to also be displayed in schools, government buildings, and so forth. The First Amendment protects individuals and associations as enjoying freedom of speech and assembly. This diverts the responsibility also to the states to ensure this freedom of association be protected under the First Amendment, as long as the laws of association do not limit the freedoms of individuals, particularly in the areas of religion and politics, but also in groups bringing legal cases in our courts. Many cases have been brought to the Supreme Court, and in all cases they have upheld the right of the association as protected under the First Amendment. The 14th Amendment ensured through the Supreme Court rulings that no state shall make any law that shall abridge the immunities and privileges of citizens and no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property. These two amendments ensure that no state is allowed to adopt a state-fostered religion as this would be deemed unconstitutional. However, the freedom of association does protect the associations as having rights as citizens have the right to assemble and association does, is protected under the First Amendment. So this does deserve a pause for a second. So under the First and Fourteenth Amendments, which is really about ensuring that we are all equal and cannot be discriminated against for religious practices, and the associations that we join have certain protections under the First Amendment as a right to speak as a body of individuals. But if ever it becomes 
a situation in a court of law where the association itself is not representative of the individuals, this would come into question, this protection, because the protections are really all about the free assembly of people to assemble and associate. But it can get tricky. So this does allow for political and religious associations to being protected. However, never to be state or federal, state or federally established. So this is how the laws of political party, primary and ballots have been allowed to influence government as long as that government does not itself back any one association of any kind, the government itself or a state themselves. Congress people, presidents, judges, cops, military, everybody has the right to associate with a political party or a religion. So in, also it's good to note, in 1931, the Star Spangled Banner was adopted as the official anthem this was passed by Congress and signed by Herbert Hoover. And this included the claim of our motto earlier than in God We Trust, but in this motto in the Star Spangled Banner is God is our trust. In 1954, the Pledge of Allegiance added the words one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. It used to be one nation, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And there were previous versions as well, but God was added in 1954. So the idea that America was founded on Christian principles is not accurate. The idea that America took on the guiding principles of a deity of God, meaning deity, but not adopting only Christian beliefs, it adopts the consensus of, of overarching deity or God and has strong roots as representatives of faith being held as a value in America. However, it is never under law to be intermingled of church and state. The protections against religious persecution were very important to the founders as many escaped religious persecution and still suffer in many countries today. So taking this as only Christian leaves people out. God is a deity, not aligned necessarily to one faith, as many use the word God and creator. So once again, it's not meant to make anyone feel bad. 
it's just meant to shed light on the fact that we created this over time. It wasn't necessarily a founding principle. And so, yeah, it's something we can all claim. Many citizens hold beliefs of a creator. Natives, um, blacks from Africa did have a lot of religious practices, some very similar to the natives of holding a creator as their deity. And Christians alike. There are so many beliefs that adopt such a deity of God, creator. It has been polled, um, and I looked at many polls, and they were all over the place, of course. But I think the consistent number that I found, at least in three places, um, that 90% in 2011, 96% of Americans approve that in God we trust is accepted as the motto of the United States. Now, just because three sources say that, I did actually check these numbers. I could not find any numbers that could be fact-checked with three sources newer than 2011. So that was quite a few years ago. Um, Christianity may have not been an adopted religion, but it had great influence over society and practices over time. Unfortunately, it was used to justify and uh, instill the establishment under the church of the Indian assimilation programs, such as the Indian boarding schools. And I know we spoke about uh, Deb Haaland, who is now the Secretary of the Interior, which has um, put out an investigation into the boarding school initiative and the report can be found on my website the foundings summary of it and this is not in any way the entirety but 431 sites were federal institutions and over a thousand federal non-federal institutions which were indian assimilation schools run by the religious organizations on behalf of the government the first was in 1801, and the last was in 1969. Some of you may have remembered that the Pope came to Canada to apologize for the Indian boarding schools recently, in the last year and a half or so, two years maybe. I don't think it's that long, though. It's like about a year and a half. Um, in 1978... The American Indian Religious Freedom Act and Religious Freedom Project of the Native American Rights Fund ended the abuses of religious persecution against the Native religions, so giving them the right to practice their religion, even though they were granted citizenship in 1924. Unfortunately, also, slavery was justified by the interpretation of texts found in the Bible in the book of Genesis and other books. But this one, particularly, I'm going to highlight. In Genesis, it talks about the curse of Ham. Ham is a son of Noah. 
Ham in Hebrew is translated for hot, which then cognate with the Egyptian word for chem, which means black. So, using this text to justify black and non-believing Christians being cursed to slavery. The practice of conversion to Christianity across the globe of enslaved people led to the disjointing of this justification and looking for the true meaning of black in the Bible was really referring to the Egyptian soil which was black along the Nile, not people. Many blacks converted in America and went on to form Baptist and Methodist faiths over time. And many would argue that blacks were of Jewish descent first and can be traced back through the migration routes and the mass enslavement in Egypt times of Jews, which were mainly black in color. So there's a lot of history. Mass hysteria of religious practices in Salem led to the killing of many under the, the witch trials, most famously being the Salem witch trials. This religious Purging was not contained to the United States, however. The Book of Demonology, which was written by King James, the same King James that is the King James version of the Bible that a lot of Christians hold as their Bible today, was really brought together with laws and religion, and they were intertwined to actually cause the mass hysteria of the witch trials. And this was prior to the formation of the United States, the, the, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. Okay, so once again, that's just the facts. Um, there's also religion and politics as well. And in history, Protestants were mainly Republicans and Catholics were Democrats. So as of 2019, 65% of Americans identified as some form or denomination of Christian. 26, there's no religious affiliation. And 9% are mixed between Jewish, Quaker, Buddhist, um, Islamic, uh, Hindu, and many more. America has more Christians than any other country in the world. The rules of religion and politics are few. However, no Nonprofit or religious group are allowed to donate to political campaigns, even though there's a lot of weaving of the 
principles. Pastors, ministers, etc. may donate, of course. Um, and we're going to cover a lot of the campaigns and campaign financing in the election series. But it's just to note that there are laws that limit the church's influence on our, on our governing. Of course, there's ways around it, um, as there are many things. But it's, it is clearly stated. Um, the evangelical movement, mostly really present in the Republican Party, but that's not to say that there are not evangelicals that are Democrats, but it's a majority of them really find the values of the Republican Party um, to be sympathetic. The evangelicals have a huge influence on the Republican Party, and the Republican Party delivers campaign promises and the advancement of legislation that supports the evangelical views. So the evangelicals are a heavy driving force in politics today, particularly in the Republican Party. So... Looking at religion and politics, these are, these are probably the hardest topics to cover as I'm not trying to disenfranchise anybody, um, as hopefully you know by now that it, I'm really all about just creating an enlightening, it's enlightenment, it's really to know the truth behind it because we all live with these stories and these ideas and we think we know something about something. And it isn't until we really dig in and do the research, you have to be motivated to really search it out. So that I do encourage everybody, please, you know, do the research, look at some of the links, uh, find your own links. Um, there is so much information out there um, that backs up this history. This is not um, meant to paint any religion in a bad light. It's not to glorify religion or slam religion in any way. I have my own uh, belief systems. So I'm just trying to highlight the history of it. So one more section that I want to cover here is the oaths that are taken um, for specifically to, you know, the office, the, to president's office, to the courts, to the Congress, you know, all these oaths, the military, etc. There is a saying, so help me God. And putting your hand on the Bible. This has its own history, but the swearing in of oaths is not really inherently a Christian value. It's a Jewish value that's been adopted. And some oaths still contain this phrase today, but the Bible can be replaced with either the Constitution or no book at all. So why is so help me God allowed? Well, it's meant to really swear to saying, under God's eye, I swear this to be true. So it's allowed in practice, but under Article 6 of the Constitution, and I quote, no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. So why the oath of so help me God? 
judges, immigrants who are, are, are being sworn in for their citizenship, all taking an oath with military, with so help me God. Oaths remain, but legally upheld as an oath to uphold the Constitution. That has been, there have been many cases brought to state and federal courts that have upheld that so help me God can be refused. And it is unconstitutional to force the practice. So it can be changed to affirm instead of swear and pri- and stop prior to so help me God. So that protection exists. So really to conclude this episode, our constitution protects us from being discriminated against based on religion. Our constitution protects our rights to assemble and practice our religions freely. Our money and our oaths hold the roots of an overarching deity But no state government can establish religions, which is why oaths are changed, pledges are changed, schools must adhere to the separation of church and state. The main influences of religion that remain in the governing principles are in the political parties and in politics. Our next series of four episodes and it's going to be called the Election and Voting Series, will be segmented into four sections. So it'll be election and electoral laws at the federal and state level. Congressional maps are drawn and redrawn for the purpose of representation and elections. This will include the section on gerrymandering and how that practice harms us all. There'll be another section, which is campaigns and conferences, including campaign finance laws, federal and state. And I will include media coverage and ad buys and so on. Quotas for reaching certain milestones for the party to take your fundraising activities seriously as a serious candidate. So we're going to talk about how much it really runs. Uh, how much money it really takes, sorry, to run for office, and should it take that amount of money. Voting, voter registration, voter laws, election night, and the media. Those are the four sections under elections and voting. There will be many more topics coming. Uh, One of them are going to be the jail system and lobbying will be sections after the election series. Thank you so much for being here. Please visit my website, findunityinthemiddle.com. You can check all the links. You can buy books and memorabilia. I I post um, books there from all different perspectives. Uh, So if you'd like to crack open an actual book or you can do eBooks, I'm sure some of these have eBooks. And all the links of all the resources uh, of all the episodes in the resource section of each episode 
I'm trying to provide the links that have the most information on the topic. However, I check all facts using a three sources rule, meaning all facts must be found to be true by three reputable sources. I do not use university websites um, to check the facts, mainly because that can be, you know, skewed one way or another. So I, I really try to stick with the government sites. And Wikipedia is great because it actually shows sources and I go a little deeper on the sources. So if I'm showing Wikipedia pages, I felt that it was really a good representation and that it these facts do actually replicate in other places. So I am very, I'm trying really hard to just make sure that you get really good resources. Again, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, meet me in the middle means understanding the history based on facts to debate the hard issues that we face today. The more we know, the more we grow. Thank you. See you next time.